Welcome. This is the Public Relations Review podcast, a program to discuss the many facets of public relations with seasoned professionals, educators, authors, and others. Now, here is your host, Peter Woolfolk. Welcome to the Public Relations Review and to our listeners across America and in countries around the world. For some, that time has come for a change. You've been a public relations professional for years. You've been at the top of your game. Now, however, you think it's time to move on. Now your goal is to share your well-earned wisdom and experience with others through teaching at the college level. So when do you realize that it's that time? How do you prepare to make the transition from PR professional to college professor? Well, my guest today, Rick Clancy, has an answer. First, the first half of Rick's 40-year public relations career was at Sony Electronics. There, he was a senior vice president of corporate communications, and he also built and led Sony's high-performance team of PR professionals in locations across the country. In addition, he was elected as the chairman of the Consumer Electronics Communications Committee. Now, after leaving Sony, Rick headed Covario Public Relations in San Diego for a while, Then later, he joined the faculty of the School of Media and Journalism at the University of North Carolina, serving as the school's first endowed Edgar Thomas Cato Distinguished Professor of Public Relations. Today, Rick serves as a visiting professor in Communications and Media Arts Department of its alma mater, Bethany College in Bethany, West Virginia, where Rick joins us from today. Rick, welcome to the program. Hi, Peter. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So how did you, or when did you realize that at some point you were going to get out of uh, the PR business on a daily basis and begin to teach? How did that come about? Well, um, some folks thought of the idea before I did, actually. You mentioned <laughs> that I, uh, I served with Sony for almost 20 years, and my colleagues in Japan would often refer to me as the professor, without me really taking that too seriously, just that they acknowledged that I had some role in coaching and mentoring colleagues, not just with my team in the United States, but even our counterparts in Japan and Europe and Southeast Asia. And and I think it was a a kind thing for them to say, just acknowledging, you know, that that was just part of who I am. But more specifically to your question, uh, like you said, I had been in the PR field as a practitioner and an executive with both major companies like Sony and startups like Covario for well, 38 years, almost 40, and uh, the company I was with at that time, Covario, uh, was an uh, an investment uh, company with uh, venture capitalists behind it, and ultimately we achieved the goal of having the company acquired, and there was a significant uh, uh, liquidation event. And I was at the, the ripe uh, young age of uh, 60, and I was thinking, okay, now, now what do I do for an encore? I've been with a big corporation. I've been with PR agencies earlier in my career and then with a California startup. And, uh, yeah, UNC was brought to my attention because um, the University of North Carolina was looking for a what they called a professor of practice. So you didn't necessarily need the typical – uh, advanced degrees and scholarly research, but they were looking for someone who came out of the practice of public relations to join the media and the journalism school. And I took a shot at applying. I didn't have too high hopes, but it was something that I had a 
an interest in for sure at this stage of my life and my career. And uh, to my surprise, the associate dean contacted me and asked me to come in to meet with the folks there, and, and the rest kind of played out uh, from that point. Just, just, just to be on the safe, safe side now, when you say uh, of practice, you they wanted somebody who had actually been in the trenches who can talk in terms of actual not, and not theoretical ways of how you go about doing things and solving problems. That's pretty yeah, much Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. exactly it, Peter. Uh, certainly UNC had uh, and still does have some great scholars and researchers with PhDs on on the faculty, uh, but they are also uh, pretty uh, sensitive about integrating people who've been on the front lines and who have practical experience, who can introduce the students to other professionals in the field who might help them uh, get jobs when they graduate, can also give the students some practical advice in terms of the things they need to learn to be um, a competitive and desirable mm-hmm. uh, candidate in public relations and some of the related areas like social media and digital marketing. So, uh, yeah, it was really a great experience to um, kind of be in this uh, blend of both uh, scholarly uh, PhDs, but also with uh, a few people like myself who came right out of uh, the profession or the industry in one way or another. Now, when the students show up in the classes, what sort of background or prior experience or other classes had they had before they uh, came to your classroom? Well, uh, now that varies from UNC, a huge um, public university, to where I am now, Bethany College, a small private school in West Virginia. At UNC, the students, um, by and large, by the time they were in my public relations-related classes, had already declared their major in the School of Media and Journalism and had taken a number of uh, communications-related classes of one kind or another, and then they at, the, at some point decide, okay, now I'm going to concentrate in public relations, or I'm going to concentrate in advertising, or I'm going to concentrate in uh, social media or broadcast journalism or what have you. So. By the time they got to my classes, generally speaking, they decided, okay, public relations is the track that I want to pursue. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically uh, the types of courses I taught there were uh, a principles of public relations and advertising class. But then we got more advanced with a, a PR case studies class and uh, even a PR campaigns class where they had a, a real uh, client that they researched and developed a uh, a PR plan for. Now, Bethany, it's a little different. Uh, it's a much smaller uh, liberal arts college, so there I'm more in a uh, department of um, communications and media arts where I have to be more uh, flexible and, and teach uh, communications-related classes, uh, integrated marketing communications classes, uh, entrepreneurial media classes, and even public speaking classes. So I integrate, obviously, public relations into most of those, but um, uh, we don't have the depth of resources to have as much special specialization, of course, as we did at UNC. Well, you know, having done um, some speaking myself, uh, at a, you know, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., and I taught a public relations class for a small business uh, operation up there in, in the school. 
um, that the owners weren't interested in the theoretical parts of it. They wanted to have answers to their public relations problems. How do I reach a lot of audiences? How do I write a press release? How do I do these kinds of things? So that was one of the reasons that they brought me on board to say, well, fine, here's how you write a press release, and now here's what you do with it once you have written it, you know, that sort of thing. So that's the practical side, and I've seen that in students. I'm a sort of a guest lecturer at the universities uh, here in uh, here in Nashville, and I have to talk to students because a lot of them like to interview their classmates as part of their training. I said, well, have you ever been to a real press conference? You know, go downtown to City Hall when the mayor is having a press conference. Take a look at that. See how it feels. You know, talk to uh, newspaper editors to find out what they what they look for in a press release to make it viable. That sort of stuff that really helps them, uh, you know, feel good and comfortable and, and prepared. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the things we did at UNC was we'd have a crisis management crisis communications class where the students would have to represent an organization that was under fire for one reason or another. And sometimes the students didn't necessarily uh, sympathize uh, with the organization, but they had to represent it as a good public relations person who's an advocate for your client or your company or your organization has to do. But then they held a press conference, if you will, with uh, some of the business uh, journalism students who uh, played the part of working press and critical journalists and what have you, and it was always a lot of fun, <laughs> in a sense, uh, to see the students under pressure like that and uh, deal with situations like, okay, how do I handle these difficult questions? How do I make our key points? How do I follow up when there's a question I don't have an answer to? That sort of thing, and keep their composure. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things I think is really, really important is that, that people do get under pressure sometimes because that comes with the job. You know, this job, as well as any others I tell folks, is really about solving problems. How successful are you at solving this particular problem, which happens to be in the communications arena? Yep, exactly. Now, this this uh, semester at Bethany College in my integrated marketing communications class, we actually have a television station based in Wheeling, West Virginia, who is our client. And they are trying to reach a... Um, for them anyway, not necessarily for my students, a younger audience. Uh, women, probably in the age range of 30 to 50 or 35 to 50, uh, including uh, high concentrations of uh, mothers with children. And how can this TV station, which has been around for years and years, start to attract uh, a younger audience, not just to their television station, actually they have three different stations, but also to their um, social media properties. So the students have been working to research what women in the region care about, what they uh, look to their news um, news uh, channels for, how do they use social media, and where could a local television station from Wheeling fit into their day-to-day lifestyle. So they're at the point now where they've done all the research, they've done a social media audit, they've interviewed people in their community, uh, they've done some secondary research, and they're just about to present their uh, campaign proposals to uh, the clients at um, WTRF in um, Wheeling, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And that'll be coming up in the next week after we get back from the, the break, and it'll be exciting to see how the client reacts to their uh, creative ideas and plans to execute both uh, social media and some other earned and paid media strategies. You know, uh, the, the interesting thing I hear 
also now is students making presentations because part of the issue I've had uh, discussions about and heard people say that a lot of students, because they are so engaged in social media, they don't get a chance to get up on their feet and make presentations, live presentations to, to audiences. That, I think, is a critical part of, uh, of success as well. Yeah, you bet it is. I mean, frankly, when I was in uh, the field of, of PR, working at uh, both big and smaller uh, ad and public relations agencies, we had to make presentations all the time to both uh, prospective clients and our existing clients. And then once you go in-house, like at Sony or Cavario, I was making presentations to our top management to get them aligned with our strategy going forward. So you're always making presentations. Sometimes they're in a small group, sometimes they're one-on-one, but then other times you have a pretty significant uh, sized audience. And beyond that, especially when I was with Sony, I could be uh, the master of ceremonies for a press conference at the Consumer Electronics Show. We'd have 500 people in the audience, mm-hmm. so you have to step up your game and and uh, uh, sometimes they say, fake it till you make it, appear <laughs> at least to be confident and know what you're doing, uh, and you know, put aside any uh, nervousness and what have you that you may have. But I think presentations are really important for students. Every class that I've taught, both at UNC and now at Bethany, uh, presentations are a key component. I insist uh, that the students do do them, whether they are comfortable or not. It, this helps them become more comfortable. So they present uh, one class. It was kind of like Shark Tank. They developed a, uh, a uh, entrepreneurial media uh, business idea. It was for basically a, a, a mentoring website, kind of think of LinkedIn, but more designed specifically for college students, and they presented to a team of sharks uh, and had to sell them on what their idea was all about and why it would make sense for them to invest in it and how they were going to go forward. So that's just one example. I've had the students present their campaign ideas, public relations campaigns, integrated marketing, communications campaigns, again, to outside people, not just fellow faculty members and students. And then I do have more informal presentations where the students have to at least stand up and talk to their peers in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you engaged them all at, at all in any sort of uh, crisis communications? Because those things can pop up at any time, and how you handle those or fail to handle those can also have, have some major implications on your, uh, your organization. Yeah, absolutely. So in the uh, case studies class, we look at a number of crisis communication situations. Oh, there was the Fukushima um, power uh, failure in uh, Japan caused Mm -hmm. by the tsunami, that sort of thing. We looked at the several years ago, there was the issue with the uh, uh, former defensive coach at uh, Penn State University getting involved with some uh, child sex abuse case. You Mm -hmm. may recall that. Um, we've talked about, of course, the uh, BP oil spill from several years ago. Uh, there's no shortage of um, uh, eventual crisis situations that public relations people play a key role in, and I think it is important to expose students uh, both to the uh, sort of the defensive side of public relations, uh, such as those I just mentioned, but and also, of course, to the more offensive promotional opportunities that PR people are called on to support. And I think that's something students don't seem to realize that there's both the offensive game and the defensive game when Mm -hmm. it comes to PR. They seem to come in 
either assuming it's all about a crisis all the time, maybe from watching a <laughs> scandal or something on TV, uh, or they, they come at it more from the, the uh, you know, promotional uh, aspect, promoting uh, products and services and that sort of thing. So uh, I think it's important that students be exposed to all, all facets of PR as, as at an early stage. Well, you know, as I listened to that, I was thinking as part of my, my uh, PR career, I worked uh, for Congress for five years uh, in Washington as a press secretary, and you're absolutely right. There's the offensive side because members of Congress always would like to get in front of a camera or a newspaper person to tell what it is that they need to tell. Uh, but also, sometimes things go wrong, and then how do you yep. go about managing that? And as a press secretary, I've told people, I said, listen, members of Congress will tell you what they want you to hear. What you need to concern yourself about is what you did not hear. Because pieces of legislation could be two, three, four, five hundred pages long, and if you just hear the headlines of it, then you could be in trouble if you don't know the entire picture. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, you know, one of the uh, the cases that we talk about with our my classes uh, come from my real life experience. When I was at Sony, we we faced a uh, situation where Sony made these uh, lithium ion batteries that were in mobile and cellular phones, mm -hmm. and also in uh, laptop computers and these these batteries um, overheated and in a few cases not only were there's there's smoke there was there's some fire and some flames and, and that sort of thing and it was a real challenging situation because Sony made batteries that were not just in Sony uh, computers uh, but also batteries that were in computers produced by Apple and Dell and Lenovo and Toshiba and what have you mm -hmm. so the challenge was figuring out well, what's really happening here? What's causing this to happen? To what extent? Uh, to what degree is Sony uh, at fault? Uh, are there other issues? Uh, what position are we going to take and communicate? And we had to coordinate that with counterparts of mine in corporate communications from these other companies. So it was a challenging episode for sure, and eventually, because uh, these situations kept occurring, what we ended up doing, I literally recommended to the uh, CEO of Sony in Japan that you know we need to offer a um, a recall program to the other companies that they can take advantage of, like mm -hmm. Dell and Apple and <laughs> Lenovo, uh, at our expense. And that's eventually what we did uh, to satisfy not only uh, the uh, the end users who were experiencing these problems, but also the the customers in between Sony and the end users, uh, which made it a little bit more difficult just because, again, it wasn't limited just to Sony products, but we were involved with the batteries that were inside of other companies' products. And it was a worldwide situation, but it started in the United States, which is why I, I took a lead role in it, but it played out around the world. Mm -hmm. You know, again, as, as I listen to you, I think about the fact that students, and, and in particular if they're going into public relations, they need to understand about how to get in front of a problem, you know, take advantage of the thing, because of, once in a while you hear somebody say, well, no, I'm not going to uh, respond to, to something like that. Well, unfortunately, that, that's a huge mistake because then the only narrative that's out there being discussed is the one that you don't agree with, but you're not responding right. to it. So it Absolutely. can have some seriously uh, bad consequences if, uh, 
you don't get in front of this thing and, and manage it to, uh, to, to your satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you need to have a position as soon as possible, even if your position is we're investigating the situation, we're concerned, we're going to get back to you within mm-hmm. 24 hours or within uh, two days, whatever it is, uh, because sometimes you really don't know uh, what's going on or what caused the problem or what the extent of the situation is, and you, you do need time. And uh, speed is really important, but uh, more important is accuracy. So you, and the transparency. The first thing is to be inaccurate right. at the expense of being fast. So you have to balance those two. Well, in the classroom, what have you found that students like, and it probably varies maybe by student, but what have they liked most about uh, uh, you know, being in your class? What are some of the things that they think they'd like to get more of uh, out of your class? Well, my, my sense has been that the students very much enjoy um, real stories, whether the stories come from me because of my prior experience or the stories come from guests that I invite into the classroom. So one of the things I've done since I began my teaching uh, career is to invite colleagues from different disciplines to join the classroom. I've had people from uh, the EPA in Washington come to the classroom. I've had crisis communication specialists. I've had people who work with retail organizations like the Home Depot. I've had, uh, of course, major trade associations like the Consumer Electronics Association. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had people from agencies, including the head of uh, the second largest agency in the world, come and speak to my class. So I I do try to get a variety of uh, speakers and guest lecturers to come in who represent different facets of public relations, because I think students really, their eyes are opened when they see just how many opportunities there are in the PR field, Mm -hmm. Uh, nonprofit, government-related, big business, small business, technology, healthcare, entertainment. Um, it's all over the place. So I always advise students, look, it's great that you're interested in public relations, but marry that interest with one or two other uh, passions that you have, and you'll find a place. Even the military has lots of public affairs folks. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's the key, is to take PR and blend it with one or two other passions. Sports. Another, for example, a lot of students are interested in sports and in entertainment. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I uh, had mentioned to students when I uh, have a chance to speak to them is also that they need to, to be the best that they can be, simply because while I'm there talking to you in this PR class in this particular school, there are probably hundreds of other students that are hearing the same sort of thing at other schools around the country. So the competition gets really stiff. Uh, and and uh, if you're not shooting for the top, you could could wind up being in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And along with that, of course, insisting that the students pursue uh, internship opportunities. Okay. And uh, maybe back in the day, one would be enough, but I think today you need at least two and even three internships mm-hmm. going out into the real world. And, you know, what I've found increasingly, especially with some of the larger public relations firms, they're actually hiring postgraduate interns uh, for, say, three to six months, and between the intern and the firm, make ultimately a decision about whether they want to keep the person on board as a, a full-time mm-hmm. employee. So internships are probably even more critical today than they were when I was at the age of, of going into uh, the PR profession. 
Well, I, I certainly support that because there's nothing better than, well, it's a two-way street. Uh, the students go in there, they can see how things actually work, uh, how, uh, you know, perhaps put some classroom techniques to see if they fit and uh, or make adjustments so that they do fit. And the employer can get to see what kind of a person am I dealing with. Do they, uh, do they take charge? Are they willing to stand up? Are they willing to jump in and help solve a problem? Those kinds of things that help people make a decision about, uh, you know, whether, what is your future going to be with this organization? Yeah. Yeah, and I tell the students, that, look, even if it turns out the internship is not exactly what you thought it was going to be, or maybe you decide uh, that particular area is not, you know, for you, that's that's a good thing because it's good to learn at an early stage, you know, what you uh, enjoy doing and maybe what you don't enjoy doing. You also learn how people manage. As an intern, of course, you're kind of at the bottom of the ladder, but you see all you have a good chance to observe people around you and see what makes them effective, what makes them successful. You also see some things that maybe you don't uh, agree with or you think are not handled so well, and you can learn from that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Rick, uh, this has really been a great, uh, great conversation. I think that uh, you have enlightened uh, our listeners quite a bit, and I'm just wondering if you might have some closing remarks. Well, Peter, the one thing I would say, especially to the public relations professionals that listen to your podcast, would be to encourage them to think about uh, going into academia at some point in their career. I, I don't think I would have wanted to do it for an entire career, but it's a great experience. Uh, after you've been in the field for a while to share uh, what you've learned with uh, younger folks and help prepare them to get involved. It's also great to interact with uh, your faculty colleagues and help make the institution you're with, whether it's a big university like UNC or a small private college like Bethany, uh, grow and become more uh, effective in what they do. It's very rewarding uh, work and you know, thankfully, uh, you can get into the field without necessarily having a Ph.D. Like I said, I got in as a professor of practice. Uh, of course, there are adjuncts. But um, even if you're not in the field currently in academia, and if you have some interest down the road, I would suggest people get involved, maybe with their alma mater, like you perhaps, uh, becoming a, a guest uh, lecturer uh, with the university or college in your area, getting to know some of the people in uh, the, uh, uh, the teaching area of a, uh, a university. And uh, like in my case, I, I served on the board of trustees of, of the college for a number of years. I did some guest lecturing, and uh, those experiences, I think, helped prepare me for uh, and also make me more desirable as a, a faculty candidate uh, when I joined UNC initially and then now at Bethany. So... Um, I would encourage folks to think about uh, making a transition at some point in their careers uh, into academia because certainly it's, it's rewarding and, and it's really uh, great work to do. Well, let me say that I certainly support uh, that uh, suggestion you just made, having been in front of students in a number of different uh, schools as well. I, first of all, I enjoy uh, responding to their questions uh, and helping to make sure that they're seeing things in a very, very realistic way. So again, let me say, uh, Rick, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the uh, Public Relations Review. And again, to all of our listeners, thank you for listening. And please join us again for the very next edition of the Public Relations Review. This podcast is produced by Communication Strategies. 
an award-winning public relations and public affairs firm headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us. Thank mm-hmm. you.